Hey guys, welcome to Telling the Told and Untold. My name is Toho. For today's case, we're going all the way to Johannesburg. On Saturday, the 29th of April, 2017, between 10 and 11 a.m., police officers received a phone call about a body that had been found in Casey Park. Where the body had been found is a fault that has open space and it's almost like a park, but not really. During the day, it's always busy, but at night it gets really empty and most people don't use that route um, just because it's really dangerous. It had a footpath to and from Alex and Alex is a township um, relatively close to Santon that's separated by a highway. So the night before, on the 28th of April, um, a man was on his way to go visit his friends when he noticed that there was a fire. So out of curiosity, the next day he went to go check it out and that's where he found the remains of a body. The body had been found in a hole and it had been burned beyond recognition. Officers assumed that the body had been burned with petrol because a petrol container was found nearby and it also smelled like petrol. The body was taken to a forensic pathologist alongside a blood-stained sheet. The body had clothing fragments stuck to it and there were also pieces of wire on the body that looked like they came from a burnt-out tire so it was assumed that one or multiple tires were used to burn the body to start the fire as well as to keep it going for a long period of time and because the body was so badly burned um, the only parts that remained were the skull, the pelvis and the lower limbs. It was then determined that the body belonged to an unidentified black female and then police officers went to go look at the missing persons reports that they had just to see if someone had been reported missing that day in their cluster and they didn't see anybody and that was until the person was reported missing on the 10th of May at the Soweto station. Karabo Mukwena was born on the 27th of March, 1995. Her father says that she was a very bright and intelligent girl and her brother says that she was an activist and she always wanted to be one. She loved talking and she would constantly give like her friends and siblings great advice. If you have an idea, if you have a dream or whatever it is that you would love to pursue, Get up from your seat. Get up. Awaken the sleeping giant in you and do it. No one can ever, ever tell you that you cannot do something. She advocated for women and child abuse and she really wanted to make a name for herself and leave a legacy behind. Some of her friends say that she wanted to be like Bonang because she just loved who Bonang was and the stuff that she did. She loved going to church and would look up to women who were pastors and she really wanted that for herself. There's power in the words that we speak to ourselves and the words that we speak to people. And the, because words are, they create. Words are creative forces. God just only had to say, let there be light and there was light. The first weekend in October 2016, Garabo and some of her friends went to Rosebank, which is basically just a shopping mall, and then they decided to go get pizza, and this is where she met Sandy Lemant. 
The next day, she told her friend Stephanie about him and the conversation that they had, and she seemed really excited. She told her friend that they spoke about God, spirituality, and she just seemed like really excited about having met this guy. Another friend says that um, they met Sandy Lay through Forex trading. So in 2016, they were obsessed with Forex trading, just like most people were. And they had heard about this really successful guy that owned um, a gold BMW. He was young. He was making a name for himself. So that was someone that they wanted to associate themselves with. And yeah, so I'm not really sure which one it is like how she met him but yeah she did meet him in October 2016. Sandy Lemantua was born in 1992 and there's not much information about his childhood. Sandila grew up in Mbalentle and attended school in Secunda. He later joined Highfield Park High School and completed his matric in 2007. He was an established forex trader who owned a company known as the Trillion Dollar Legacy, and he was estimated to have a net worth of about 2 million rand. He is a father to three children, two with his former wife and one with another woman, and he was said to be very charming and really confident. Because Sandy was like a forex trader and he had money, he owned multiple properties and owned multiple cars and he loved flaunting his money like when he would go out and he would go clubbing and from conversations that Garabo had with her friends about Sandile you could tell that she really like she really loved this guy within three to four weeks of their meeting the abuse started the abuse lasted their entire relationship, which really wasn't that long. They dated from October 2016 to the end of March 2017, so just about five months. But a lot can happen in five months. There was an incident that happened on Garabo's 22nd birthday that led to her ending the relationship. There was one time where Garabo called her friend Stephanie and asked her to please come over to Santon Sky, which is the apartment building that Sandile lived in. And Garabo had moved in with Sandile earlier in their relationship. So Stephanie gets there. Sandile is not there. It's just Garabo and she has her bags packed and she just says, I'm leaving him. So then they decide to go to Alcon, which is a club in Soweto. And once they get there, Sandile is also there. And as soon as Garabo sees him, she like gets upset all over again. And because the girls had been drinking earlier, um, they were a bit intoxicated. So at some point during the night, Sandile pulls Stephanie to the side and says, let's leave. So now they're in the car and on their way back to Samson Sky and on their way back, Garabo wakes up and she's in the back seat. So she says to Stephanie, let's go, let's get out of this car, let's leave Sandy Lay to go to his girls, he doesn't care about me. And Stephanie could see Sandy Lay get like visibly upset. He then takes his one arm and grabs Garabo with so much force, because like he's so angry at what she just said. And Stephanie's like trying to like remove his arm telling her like you know just leave Garabo she's intoxicated and you know just let her go eventually they do get to Santon Sky and then Stephanie tells Garabo you know what just 
get all your bags, let's leave. But Garabo and Sandile are like facing each other. They're pulling and pushing. And this is where Garabo falls and Sandile falls on top of her. And Garabo hit her head so hard on the floor and it was concrete. And Stephanie remembers looking at her and seeing that this girl isn't moving. And she thought that, you know, maybe she's dead. There was one time where Garabo called her brother crying and she was just like, I want to come home. So he asked her like, what's going on? What's happening? And she was just hysterical. And she's like, please tell Papa, I want to come home. And he just knew it had to do something with her boyfriend. She once sent her spiritual advisor pictures of herself and she was visibly bruised and beaten. And she asked like, who did this to you? And she just said, Sandy. On another occasion, Sandile had asked Garabo to see something on her phone and she just said no. And then Sandile was like, you know what, I'm going to count up to a certain number and if I get to that number and you haven't given me your phone, you, something is going to happen. He then took her phone and just threw it against the wall. So as I mentioned earlier, there was a time where Garabo and Sandile were living together in Sandile's apartment at Sanson Sky. So Garabo was on her way back. So she gets upstairs to the apartment and she can hear that there's girls inside. So she's trying to open the door and like she's struggling. And then Sandile just opens the door and headbutts her. The final straw for Garabo was an incident that happened on her birthday and the days afterwards. So her birthday was on the 27th of March and it was her 22nd birthday. So her friends couldn't reach her on that day. But a couple of days later, she sent her friend um, pictures and her eye was bloodshot red. It was bruised. And she just said, um, Sandile did this to me. Then he gave me his card and told me to go to the hospital. Garabo did open up a case against him but then Sandile went and then he said no um Garabo had assaulted him and then he also opened a case and it was just yeah it was just a lot for her um, he got robbed in um Brom two days after he hit me and he went to the police station and told them that um that was me that uh, assaulted him so I just said, oh, you know what, this person, God will deal with him. I'm tired personally. Sometime after this incident, she was sitting with her friend and she told her friend, she's like, you know what, I have to leave him because he's not going to change. And if I don't, I'm not going to make it out alive. And two days after this conversation, Garabo had all of her bags packed. Her mom, her cousins and her siblings came to the apartment and helped her move out. And that was the last time that she saw Sandile. On Friday, the 28th of April, Stephanie sent Garabo a message on WhatsApp and it showed that the message had been delivered. Later on, she tried calling her and the call didn't go through. The next day on the Saturday, Stephanie posted a picture of the two of them on Instagram and she remembers thinking like why isn't Garabo liking this picture why hasn't she commented like what's going on with this girl but then she didn't think much of it she just thought you know maybe her phone was dead she hasn't had time to charge it later that evening Garabo's sister knocked off from work and she went to a restaurant to have dinner with her friends Garabo and Garabo's friends 
And then Garabo didn't show up. So they tried calling her, but her phone was still off. Now it's Sunday and one of Garabo's friends sends her mom a message. And she asked Garabo's mom, like, do you know where Garabo is? She was supposed to come see me over the weekend and she hasn't come. And her mom just responded, I'm not too sure where she is, but she did tell me that she was coming, like she was going to go see you. The next day on the 1st of May, like, Everyone is like talking to each other, asking each other if they've spoken to Garabo. And this is when everyone realizes that Garabo is missing. The days after realizing that Garabo was missing, her friends and family started searching. They went to airports, borders. They were calling people, just trying to see if anyone had seen her or knew where she was. Her brother says that he remembers thinking that, you know, maybe she was trying to get away because at that time there was a lot happening. So maybe she just needed, you know, to put her phone away and clear her head. So he didn't think much of it. And at some point he thought that maybe she was with Sandy Le. And this was until they decided to call him and ask if he had seen Garabo or like knew where she was. And he just responded that she had went to Nigeria with one of her friends and they remember thinking that it was a bit like strange that she hadn't said anything because remember now she was living at home not with Sandy Le. so even if she was leaving she would have told like her mom her family that she's leaving and went home to go pack her bags so that she could leave. During these searches, Sandila was also helping Garabo's friends and family. He even posted on his Instagram about her being missing and like just asked people if they had any information to send him a message and let him know. Garabo's parents were also posting on Facebook asking if anyone had seen their daughter and there was this one account, I'm not too sure if it's Garabo's account or someone else's account, um, that kept responding as Garabo saying no I'm fine I'm in Nigeria with a friend it will later turn out that it was Sandile sending those messages but they remember thinking that like it was a bit odd because they knew Garabo's friends and none of them knew where she was so it was like who is this friend you know on the 9th of May, Garabo had been missing for 11 days. And this is when her friends decided to take to social media and ask people if they had seen Garabo. And for them, this was kind of realization that she really was missing. They didn't want to believe it, but now posting about it and like asking people for help made it real. And they just couldn't help but think that maybe something did happen to her. Stephanie says at this time she decided to contact someone from Taxify because she had a personal relationship with this person and this person also knew Garabo. So Taxify um, is now known as Bolt and it's basically just like Uber, just two different companies. So she explains to this guy um, the whole situation and how Garabo is missing and just asked him to like asked if he could find out what her last location was. And within five minutes, he sent a screenshot of her last trip. And this trip was from Santon Sky, which is Sandila's apartment, to some street in Ravonia. And seeing Garabo's last trip kind of shocked her friends and family because as far as they knew, Garabo and Sandile hadn't been in contact since they had broken up almost a month earlier.
in the midst of all of this, Garabo's dad decides to call Santile and ask if he had seen Garabo. So he responds that, yeah, you know, a couple of days ago, I saw her in Santon and she was with a guy who drove a Ferrari. And her dad believed him, but her mom didn't because for her, she was like, how is it possible that none of her friends have seen her, but somehow you, out of all people, have seen her in Santon with some guy who drives a Ferrari. Like, what are the chances of that happening? On the 10th of May, Garabo's sister and a friend went to Santon Sky just to go ask around and see if anyone had seen Garabo. So whilst they were there, they asked the security guards if they can see some footage of, like, the apartment building. And whilst they're, like, sitting in the room waiting, one of the security guards comes up to them and he's holding Garabo's ID as well as her passport. And he tells them that they found these in one of the dustbins outside. In the CCTV footage that Garabo and a friend saw, you could see Garabo being walked out by Sandile on the 27th of April around half past four. After this, she catches a taxi to her mom's home in Deep Griff. And just before or a little bit after midnight, she leaves her mom's house and she gets into a car and her sister sees her leaving and she remembers looking at this car and thinking that it looks similar to one of the cars that Sandile owned. This was the last time anyone saw Garabo. With the ID and passport that Garabo's sister had gotten, her mom takes them to the Deep Cliff police station and opens up a missing persons report. After this, the police officers from the Deep Cliff police station go to Santon Sky, and along with them is Garabo's mom, some of their neighbors, and Garabo's friends as well. So they get there, and luckily before they went to Santon Sky, Stephanie had contacted the manager and had asked to look at some of the CCTV footage as well. On the footage that they watched, you could see Garabo entering the building just before 3 a.m. on the 28th and getting off on the fourth floor with Sandile. 19 hours later, just after 10 p.m., Sandile is seen coming out with those big black dustbins that you can pull. And you can see that it's quite heavy and that there's um, a bed linen peeking out on the top. After seeing this footage, everyone is shocked and they know that like something is wrong and something is going on. After this, Stephanie calls Sandile and asks him like, where are you? Um, we want to see you. And he just says to her, like I told everyone else, I'll be there just after nine. I have things to do. True to his word, Sandile does come um, does arrive at Santon Sky just after nine and he greets one of the neighbors and he's like so calm, cool and collected. Like, I mean, like nothing is going on, you know? So after this, police officers look at him and they want to know what's happening in that footage. Like what's going on? What's in the black dustbin? And, um, Sandil is just like, like, he's like, no, I don't know where Garabo is. It's, it's nothing, you know? And then the police officers ask if they can go up to his apartment. Mind you, they didn't have a warrant. So Sandil could have said no because, you know, they don't have a warrant. But he said yes. So the police officers and all the people 
that had come along with them went up to Sandile's apartment. So once they get in there, everyone is just standing there. And because Stephanie had been there so many times, the first thing that she noticed was that the carpet was clean. And she said she doesn't know why she did this, but she took off her one shoe and like felt the carpet and she felt that it was wet. So she looks at Sandile and she's like, um, why is the carpet wet? And he's like, no, I cleaned it. So everyone is like, why did she clean your carpet? And he's like, no, it's because I'm moving. And everyone is just like, okay. So one of the other people that were in the apartment went to the kitchen and they saw um, a mat on top of the carpet and then they decided to lift the mat and this is where they saw a huge blood stain. Then they realized that there, were bl- there was blood splatter on the window, like on the window as well as on the walls. And after this, police officers looked at Sandile and then they arrested him. And at that time, they arrested him for kidnapping. Garabo's mom then looks at Sandile and she asks, did she kill my daughter? And he just looked at her and said, no ma, I didn't. Sandile is then taken to the Santon police station and one of the police officers that knows him and works at the client service center, also known as the CSC, um, asked him where Garabo is. And he just said, you know what, um, to remove any bad luck, I had to sacrifice her. And immediately this police officer said, you know what, stop right there. Um, and then she called the station commander and the station commander told her that she didn't have the right authority to take anyone's confession and then said that he was going to call a commission officer status to call someone who has a commission officer status to get the confession. So when Sandile was taken to the police station, everyone that was at Sanson Sky went with them. So everyone was sitting there just waiting to hear something back. And this is when they called Garabo's mom to one of the interrogation room. And within minutes, everyone just heard her screaming. And then one of the police officers came out and just said to them, he confessed Garabo's dead. So the police station in Sandringham were the ones to find the unidentified black body. And then they heard that Sandile was being questioned at the Sandton police station for a missing persons report that was filed at the Deep Cliff police station. Um, so there's basically like three police stations that weren't really working together but somehow came together because they all had different clusters so it was the one where they found the body the one where the missing persons report was filed and the one where Sandile was taken to after he had been arrested and where he later confessed through DNA testing and looking at the color of nail polish on the victim's toe the body was then identified as that of 22 year old Garabo Mugwen so the thing with Sandile's confession is that it's not really what the police officers wanted and needed because at the time Sandile had only confessed to getting rid of Garabo's body. According to him on that night he went out um, and he had like a business meeting and when he came home he found Garabo lying on the floor and she was holding a knife. So he says that she had committed suicide and he just knew that people wouldn't believe him so he had to get rid of her body. 
Sandy Le tells police officers which car he used. And there's also footage of him leaving the apartment building just after 10 p.m. And in the car that he said he used, in the back seat, they found a black plastic bag that had Garabo's clothes. And in the boots, they did find her blood. Because police officers wanted more evidence, they decided to focus on the CCTV footage um, of that night. And in one of the frames, you can see Sandile um, has something in his back pocket. And as they zoomed in, it looked really similar to a knife. And then in the apartment building, they looked at the blood splatter that was on the walls in the living room. And by looking at this blood splatter, you can see that it's like someone stabbed someone and then they went back and then stabbed someone again. So like when you like stab someone and you do this, the blood splatter that comes from that movement so they looked at that blood splatter as well and that just told them that this person didn't commit suicide because you can't stab yourself multiple times you know Sandile then offered to do a pointing out and a pointing out is basically where you just show police officers um where you went to and where you put certain things so he started in the apartment and showed them the dustbin then he went to the car pointed out the car then he says that he left he went to a garage where he bought the petrol after buying the petrol he went to his mom's house which is in Lindhurst and whilst he was there he got pool acid as well as a tire and the reason why he got pool acid is because he wanted to get rid of Karabo's body like all of it and he hoped that nothing would remain by using pool acid as well as by burning her body Sandile then went to trial for the murder of Garabo Mugwena, but he still stuck to his story that she had committed suicide. So the prosecution only had circumstantial evidence, but they did have a confession as well. But the problem with this confession is that it was informal so what had happened is one of the captains had asked Sandile like you know what happened to Garabo what did she do and this is where Sandile said no I killed my girlfriend but one of the advocates um, argued for this confession to be admissible in court because even though it was informal even though it was an informal confession they had already read him his rights so they brought it up and then this confession was allowed to be used during the trial. On the 3rd of May 2018, over a year after Karabo had been killed, Sandy Lemanzo was found guilty and sentenced to 32 years in prison. 30 years for murder, 5 years for assault, and 4 years for defeating the ends of justice. Two of the five years of assault and three of the four years for defeating the ends of justice will run concurrently. To this day, no one knows exactly what happened to Garabo Mugwena on the 28th of April 2017. In October 2017, the Garabo Mugwena Foundation was established and it was created to highlight and stop the abuse of women and children in Gaudé. Hi guys, I'm Gabo Mugwena. In 17, it's gonna be like, lady, out of this world. Lady, like, I'm gonna be so successful.